What is going on, everybody? This is the Everything Cavaliers podcast brought to you by the Pulse Podcast Network, a network where we have a bunch of different podcasts from NBA, NFL, pop culture, even Dungeons and Dragons is on there. Literally, almost any topic you can think of, it's on there. Check it out. And today's podcast is sponsored by the official ticket app of the Pulse Podcast Network, TickSplits. Give this a listen. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TixFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Yo. What's going on, guys? How are you doing today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this? I'm doing well, thanks for asking. And, you know, it's James Lockery back again with the Everything Cavaliers podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to be covering the last two games the Cavs played. Um, to date, they played the Knicks and the Nets before the All-Star break. And after that, we're going to look into what I kind of expect for the rest of this year. So following, or during every game, I should say, I do take pretty in-depth notes just based on quarter. And, of course, my Nets notes got deleted, so those will be off the noggin. Excuse me if something is slightly inaccurate or whatever, but I did my best to reconcile from memory and just kind of by stats how the game went and whatnot. But let's get started with the Knicks game, or should I say the Zion Bowl. Uh, It was nice to see Kevin Love start. Um, It was good to see him back out on the court again, especially starting after, you know, he missed 50 games. Um, I thought that they could really abuse DeAndre Jordan in a pick-and-pop situation. I know I discussed this with my buddy Brian Zellum of the Blue Hardwood podcast when he was with the uh, Dallas Mavericks that DeAndre Jordan does not defend bigs who can shoot very well. And, you know, Kevin Love was... He really unlocked the offense, and it seems that he does that. Um, uh, Going from there, I saw some things from Brandon Knight that I started to question. Maybe he can be a part of this team's future. Um, Nothing crazy, probably just a bench guy, kind of fill Alec Burks' role. Um, Just another guard off the bench who can score. Uh, He's played pretty well in the Cavaliers uniform, so... If you can get him for the right amount of money, hey, why not? I think the shot is worth it. Um, Kevin Love's outlet passes were pretty rusty. I think he attempted four or five of them, and none of them connected. Dennis Smith Jr. was playing safety back there, I think. <laughs> he pretty much picked off every single one he tried. Um, Yeah, the offense was really, really helped by Kevin Love. The spacing is going to be just so incredibly better and with you know the addition of Brandon Knight and Nick Stauskas it's really going to open up the paint for guys like Colin Sexton and Jetty and even Larry Nance and Tristan Thompson when they when Tristan Thompson comes back 
because it'll give them more driving lanes and just less of a clog in the paint. Even though Nick Stauskas has been pretty horrible <laughs> for the Cavs, um, I'm just waiting for him to settle in and hopefully show show me something uh, why he should be on this team in the future because it's just it's basically a 25-game contract from here. The Cavs jacked up a lot of threes, and I you know it's not something we're used to, but with the additions they made and Kevin Love coming back, which is kind of like an addition because he was out for so long, it they have some decent shooters now, which they didn't have, you know, for most of the season. So I expect the Cavs three point attempts at least to go up. I'm not sure if the makes will skyrocket as much, but I do anticipate them shooting more threes. Kevin Love's ability to actually score in the post is a completely new element that this team was missing. Um, whether he gets just a one-on-one in a back-to-the-basket situation where he can spin off and go to the basket or fade away, face up, pull-up jumper, you know, he has so many moves in his arsenal when it comes to uh, the post. It it demands double teams at times, and that'll give guys open shots. And if the Cavs move the ball like they need to to score baskets on a consistent basis, um, you know, they'll get either open threes or open layups because once that ball starts moving – the Cavs aren't that bad, but it's actually getting the ball moving, which is the hardest part. I It was encouraging to see Kevin Love come back into the game pretty quickly after he was benched because Larry Nance got into foul trouble. I expected, I didn't expect him to play as much as he did. I expected something kind of similar to what we saw uh, the game previous where he only played like seven minutes, but you know, I'm glad to see that Kevin Love seems healthy and you know I want him on this team. Even or if he's on this team, I obviously want him out there. You guys know my thoughts. I think they should have traded him by now, but that's not what we're talking about. Uh, towards the end of the quarter, I wrote down that I thought they were playing almost too well. I didn't know what team this was. And the new acquisitions, uh, apart from Nick Stauskas, but Brandon Knight and especially Marquise Chris, they were proving that they can play, and they just needed a situation to where they kind of they don't have a super short leash. They can, you know, make a mistake or two and still be out there because especially in Marquise Chris's situation, you know, he's he was on the Rockets and I think he played in like 16 games this year or whatever. And when you're competing for a playoff spot, you have a lot less uh what should I say? Uh room for error, I guess, because you know, if he makes misses two shots or may, turns the ball over and fouls someone, you know, D'Antoni's going to pull him because he is a young player and whatnot and get someone more experienced in there like a P.J. Tucker who isn't going to make as many mistakes, is a little more consistent just all around. And, you know, that this is a good situation for, I think, all parties involved that came in. Uh, moving to second quarter, um, Marquise Chris got absolutely buried and body bagged by Mario Hazonia. I, I think I shrieked like a little girl. I, <laughs> I didn't expect it. Now, we all know Hazonia can dunk a little bit, but uh, Marquise Chris should have sat the rest of the game based off of that result. It shouldn't have jumped, even though, you know, you're supposed to play defense. I don't, if I were him, I would not have jumped. I'm not, if someone's going to dunk on me, I'm not jumping. I'm getting out of the way. I'm playing the Kyle Korver defense where he, like, puts a leg up and shrivels his arms. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Mitchell Robinson was kind of a nuisance on the glass. He's kind of a Clint Capella type where he's a rim runner and he's a good rebounder athletic who can block shots. Um, Stauskas, uh, 
This was only one possession, but he did rip Mario Zonia that led to a fast break basket. Uh, Matthew Delvadova is pretty much by far this team's best pick and roll operator. His ability to um, find open guys is by f- far and away the best on this team. He is the most willing passer of all the guards, and that's something that the Cavs guards aren't. They're shoot-first players who look to get theirs. Uh, the energy that or I wrote down, love the energy Kevin brings when he's on the bench. And yes, I fully intended to make that pun. Um, it just shows his leadership in that the team really feeds off of his uh, energy and his leadership, his veteranship, I guess you could say. And it just uplifts the spirits when, you know, your best player is excited, you make a good play or whatever. I think that holds true on all levels that when someone else is excited for you and happy for you of doing something good or trying to pick you up when you're doing poorly, it just adds for better morale and overall, I think, better performance in the future. Uh, I thought that we could see Colin Sexton starting to settle in a little bit more, and I'll talk about this uh, more towards the end, but I think he's finally figuring things out. Um, as I wrote again, as Dennis Smith Jr., I think, picked off two more outlet passes by this time. Um, uh, again, Kevin Love is the leader of this team. You can tell that everything is different when he is out there. It's, he's kind of the main point of this game because he just completely changed the dynamic of the Cavaliers. Sexton is starting to pick his spots more that he's not, he's not, it doesn't feel like he's taking as many mid-range pull-ups or going one on three on fast breaks, trying to force the ball in. seems like he's being a little bit more patient and that's encouraging to see. Uh, the new guys have added floor spacing. All of them can shoot, even though Stauskas was like one of nine or something along those lines. He was not good. Um, this is one of the best halves this team has played. And I think they ended up scoring 61, but they only held the Knicks to like 46 points and, it was really strange to see. I know I want them to lose, but it's always good to see them play well. And, you know, you, you do want your team to win, but I know the Cavs kind of have to lose. So I kind of, I, I root on that, but the Cavs took 23s in the first half, which a lot of times they don't take 23s in an entire game. So that was a little bit of a shock. They just had tr- the trigger finger. They were pulling the ball from everywhere. But yeah, the Cavs played extremely well in that first half, and it was nice to see for a change because we don't see that very well. Um, and going to the third quarter, Kevin Love got and even Brandon Knight got capped off. We didn't see any more Kevin Love in the third quarter or second half, I should say. And that that ended up really showing just how much the dynamic of this offense changes when he isn't out there. And I think Brandon Knight only played five more minutes or so. Um Nick Stauskas finally got a shot to fall, which was good. I thought that was going to be maybe a turning point, but I was wrong. He didn't make a shot the rest of the night, and I don't know if he made one in the Nets game either. Um, the Knicks switched to a zone, which most teams do against the Cavs, and that was, you know, that a lot of times that's what leads to the Cavs' downfall. Um, I think they started to figure out a little bit where they'd pass it down to Larry Nance at the free throw line, and then David Nwaba would uh, be on the baseline running kind of finding those uh, dead zones uh, in the zone. And they were getting some layups out of it, and eventually they kind of forced the Knicks to switch out of it for a little bit. Not They went back to it eventually, but 
they scored on, I think, two or three straight possessions doing the same exact thing. And it just shows that you the basic principles of beating a zone stand the test of time in any level. It's You just find the dead pockets, make the zone move, and you'll get a basket. It's not complicated. I just I don't get it, but I digress. Um, the offense started to really struggle without Kevin Love. Uh, you noticed that the shooting wasn't nearly as good. The passing wasn't as good. Um, his ability to post up took away an element of their offense, and just it they kind of went back to the Cavs we had seen, you know, the last or the first, you know, fifty something games. I think it was without Kevin Love. Um, Stauskas had a horrible debut. I think he needed to calm down more and just kind of settle in. I know he he got a lot of um, news to move around in those two days of the trade deadline, but I think once he calms down a little bit more, gets more involved and uh, understands more of the offense, I think he'll be okay. Uh, a lot Throughout a lot of this game, I wrote down notes about a lot of the same players because that's what I felt was important. Um, and <laughs> Delhi went to the free throw line, and the crowd started chanting MVP, and I'm all for that. Delhi is – he might be the favorite player on this team. I'm not exactly sure. I think it's between him and Jetty. But, you know, you can definitely make a case for either or. Larry Nance was a monster on the glass that night. He had, I think, 16 rebounds or something like that. And he – he the previous game, I think he had 19 or 20. So – he was a monster on the glass for the Cavs and really kind of kept them in the game because they were without Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love had sat at that point. Um, uh, I think Marquise Chris can be a very nice compliment to Larry Nance or Tristan Thompson when he gets back because he has an athletic guy who can space the floor. Um, and he can he's more athletic, so he can guard wings or small ball fours that the Cavs might struggle against with because – Tristan Thompson isn't a very good switch guy. Kevin Love is a horrible switch guy. Larry Nance is okay, but I think Marquise Chris is better suited to play that switch style of pick-and-roll defense. And he can affect shots just based on his athleticism. If he's around the basket, he can alter shots. I'm not saying he's a great shot blocker by any means, but you know he can uh, block a shot or change the trajectory of a shot every once in a while. Kadeem Allen was a menace in the mid-range for the Knicks. I think he ended up with 20 points, but there was a stretch where I think I swear he had 12 straight. The Cavs could not stop him in the pick and roll. Uh, going on to the fourth quarter, the Knicks switched back to his own, and the Cavs were finding open shots, which they have a decent amount against the zones, but they weren't knocking him down. You know, it's a make-or-miss league, and it comes down to made shots or missed shots, and the Cavs are really lucky that they had a big lead in this game or else it would have been ugly quickly because they went ice cold from the field. Uh, you know, you have to attack the foul line area against the 2-3 zone, which they got away from in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was what worked so well early in the third, but they got away from that, uh, took a lot of threes, and that was almost to their downfall. It, yeah, they got absolutely handcuffed by it. Uh, I noticed from time to time that Marquis, it doesn't seem like Marquis Chris is playing at full speed. He doesn't seem to ever sprint or anything like that. And I don't know if that's because he's an effortless athlete or something like that, or I don't know, but he seems to kind of jog, jog and lollygag on the other end. And 
that led to a couple odd man situations for the Knicks and led to some easy baskets. I don't know if that's part of the reason why, you know, he got sat in, in Phoenix towards the end of that stint and in Houston, but, you know, I guess we'll see these last 25 games. Um, Larry Nance was keeping the Cavs afloat because he was, he was very good against the Knicks. He had close to 15 points, 15 rebounds. He was the only reason that the Cavs got extra possessions because no one else was really getting rebounds for him. Uh, Sexton, I think he shot like 6 of 20 or something like that during the game, but he missed a couple shots and then had the confidence to take a a three where the defender was closing out. So I, you know, I applaud him for that, having the confidence to shoot the ball and not, you know, pump fake and try and cut and travel or something like that. That happens a lot with young players. We see it a lot with Jetty. I swear he travels like once a game, but encouraging to see that, uh, that confidence from him. And the Cavs got so, 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 so lucky at the end of that game. Luke Cornett was absolutely wide open. No one, was in distance of touching with a 10-foot pole, and he just he alligator-armed it. He missed it short, and, you know, I think this win was great for team morale, um, but not for the odds of Mr. Zion Williamson. This was a game I would have liked to see the Cavs lose just because, you know, the Knicks are the main team we're competing with and the Suns, who we're actually playing in our next game, so that's going to be crucial for lottery odds. But, you know, hey, it's not bad to see a Cavs win. I'm not, I'm not complaining too much. I will gripe a little bit, especially if we don't end up getting a top three pick. I'll gripe even more, and this is a game I'll look back on to that. But uh, before we go on to the Nets game, I am going to take a quick break, so I will catch you guys after our little commercial break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time, marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com, and we hope to hear from you soon. So we are back. Now going on to the Nets game, what an interesting and just odd game. I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw a triple overtime game, honestly. But uh, some notes I wrote pregame, ones that didn't get deleted. Um, Kevin Love was out for the game, which is probably smart. You don't want to overexert him, especially with the all-star break coming up. Um, the Nets were kind of crawling into this game, only winning two out of their last eight games. So they're one of the teams that I think needed this all-star break. So I think the Cavs had an opportunity to jump on that, uh, jump on the Nets because, you know, they were struggling in their last eight games. They were, they could potentially steal a game um, from a team that seems like they needed, needed that little extra time off. Um, the Nets take and make a lot of threes. They're fifth in the league in threes made and six in threes attempted, so they're not afraid to shoot the rock from distance. You have to prevent them from getting to the line. Seventh in makes and attempts. They're an above-average rebounding team. Larry Nance is going to have his hands full with Jared Allen and Ed Davis, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and company. 
Uh, their real only rim protection is Jared Allen. I mean, that's pretty good. Jared Allen's one of the best shot blockers that this league has to offer. But, you know, as we saw in the game, um, he really has an, a great ability to affect shots. Um, the goal was to get him into foul trouble early so the paint could open up more. That didn't happen, and throughout the course of the game, uh, he was he was a monster in the paint. Um, in pretty much every other stat and advanced stat, the Nets were pretty much in the middle of the pack. So you know, this was a game that the Cavs could you know could win. Uh, and I thought the Nets were going to try and run the Cavs out of the gym. The Nets are 11th in pace, while the Cavs are 29th. So you know, there's a clear advantage there. The Cavs had to dictate the pace of the game if they wanted a chance to do it. And finally, last pregame note, you can't be sloppy or lazy with off-ball defense. D'Angelo Russell is one of the better uh, pick-and-roll operators in the league. He has a great ability to find guys in the opposite corner off the pick-and-roll, just facilitate, get his teammates open shots or just open shots for himself. And if the Cavs weren't crossing their T's and dotting their I's, they were going to get absolutely picked apart um, by D'Angelo Russell during this game. Uh, now getting into what I thought during and kind of after the game, uh, they are lucky that it was a close game throughout because especially in that first half, D'Angelo Russell was pretty poor. I think he had two points in the first half. It was really Joe Harris that kept him in that first half. Um, if D'Angelo Russell was good like he was the rest of the game, uh, third quarter on, the Cavs would not have been in that game, would not have gone to triple overtime. The Cavs surprisingly shot the three ball better than the Nets did, which, you know, I didn't I didn't expect at all. It wasn't by much. I think it was by the Cavs were like 18 of 42 and the Nets were 18 of 45. So by a very small margin. But, hey, it's, it's a slight win, I guess. Um, the Nets almost doubled the Cavs in free throw attempts. I think the Nets had 34 to the Cavs, 18, I think. Um, that's something Cavs haven't really done well all year is get to the free throw line. Uh, you just, you know, if you want to win games, getting to the free throw line is really a crucial part of that if you're not going to shoot the lights out or get easy baskets or anything like that. Um, Cavs got out-rebounded by a decent margin. I think it was 77 to 63. Uh, it, it was around there, you know, close to 14 rebounds. Uh you can really – that was due to Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love being out. Larry Nance, again, becomes the only guy that can really rebound on this team. Uh, Marquise Chris, never been a great rebounder, uh, and I don't think he will be. It's just not really what he does. And we haven't really seen a ton of Ante Zizic lately. Um, or he hasn't at least been super noticeable like he was uh, like an eight-game stretch previous. Um the Nets had 13 blocks to the Cavs, four. Uh, I think Jared Allen had six or seven of those. So about half or even over half coming from one player is pretty insane. Like like I stated in the pregame, he's a really good shot blocker, and that could you know prove to be a problem for the Cavs. The inability to block shots without fouling is a huge issue the Cavs have, and they've had this for so long. I can't even express... The last time they had a shot blocker, can you like if you guys can help me out? I don't even know. I would. I don't know who I deem as a shot blocker. Like Ben Wallace when he came here, but like I don't know. Uh, I, the Cavs had thirty-seven total fouls to the Nets twenty-three. You can't just can't do that. I think three guys fouled out. 
the paint scoring was pretty even, but the free throw disparity was so large. That's what swung the game in the Nets' favor uh, when it, you know, when push came to shove. The Cavs only had six fast break points the whole game, and that is pretty darn sad considering it was a three-overtime game. And considering this team is pretty young, I don't know why they don't run more. I don't get it. If I were the Cavs, I'd want to run considering they have so many young players, especially at the guard and forward spot, that are pretty athletic, can get out and you know try and score in the in transition. So I feel like that would uh, better lead to more baskets for the Cavs because they do have that athleticism and youth on their side. And um, the Cavs had more assists than the Nets did, which I was surprised. The Cavs had 35 to the Nets 31. I think that's that's got to be their high highest assist total of the season. The Cavs are a pretty low assist team as it is, but hey, the ball was moving. They they played pretty well on the offensive end. Um, when if they want to win games, that's what has to happen. They got to move the ball a lot. Uh, when the ball sticks, generally it's over. It's got to be a hot potato. Everyone's got to touch it on a possession, or more so than not, more than half the possessions of a game, almost everyone has to touch it during a singular possession. Um, I give a lot of respect to Damari Carroll for hitting that shot to send it into the third overtime. Uh, he did have a wide open look, but I do agree with what the Cavs did. So they inbounded to Damari Carroll and Joe Harris, or should I say smoke and Joe Harris. Uh, they tried to get a tri- dribble handoff action. And once the Cavs covered the initial handoff, Jordan Clarkson jumps from Damari Carroll to Joe Harris, leaving Damari Carroll wide open. And I'm more than okay with that. I'd much rather have Damari Carroll take that shot than Joe Harris. He was four or five from three on the night. You know, I'd, again, Damari Carroll probably shoots like 35%. I mean, Joe Harris is the three-point champion. I don't want him taking that shot, the shot at the end. I would have felt a lot worse about the shot if Joe Harris made it versus Damari Carroll. Um, switching gears to a little bit more of individual performances on both teams. Uh, the Nets had a pretty uh, team effort in terms of scoring for the most part. D'Angelo Russell came on strong in the second half. I think he had, from third quarter on, he probably had like 34 points because I think he only scored two in the first half. I could be wrong on that, but that's what I think. Um, he took he took the game over, especially in the third overtime, or the end of the second overtime into the third overtime, probably at eight to ten points. He was really good. He does, in fact, have ice in the veins, in his veins. That is still true. Um, I'm a big D'Angelo Russell guy. He's my second favorite college uh, basketball player ever, only behind the great Evan Turner of the the Ohio State Buckeyes Go Bucks. Um, and I need to invest in the D'Angelo Russell jersey at some point. I really love the guy's game. I loved him when he was on the Lakers, and I love him even more now. Because he is blossoming, you know, he was an all-star this year, even though it may have been a reserve. Um, I was really happy for him to see him in that all-star game. Um, going to former Cavaliers, Smoke and Joe Harris, he lit it up, especially in that first half. He totaled 25 points and, like I said, four or five from three-point land. Um, and that's had eight players to score in double digits. I really like what they're doing over there in Brooklyn. I think they've kind of figured it out, or at least... I think they might take the Pacers approach to where they're not they don't have a superstar or anything like that. They have an all-star caliber player, 
but they have a bunch of solid guys who know their role, who aren't going to step outside of their role. And they're going to be play hard every night for their coach, and they're going to be a tough out no matter what. I think that's kind of the model that they will end up taking um, unless they do sign a big free agent, which is very possible. If I were a big free agent, this is a roster I would want to play with. Uh, like D'Angelo Russell being the second best player on your team, I think, especially in the East, I think you're set up for pretty pretty good success there. Um, the future is really bright for them. Now switching gears to the Cavaliers. Uh, had a career night from Jordan Clarkson. He had 42 points on 47% shooting. I think he was 16 of 34 from the field. Uh, my math could be wrong. I'm just guessing. Um, and that percentage isn't horrible for him. It's above what he normally shoots. Uh, he was clearly the primary reason the Cavs were in this game. And without him, you know, it would have been a complete disaster and a blowout like most games are. Uh, the Cavs only had four points, or four points, four players in double digits, you know, ha- half of what the Nets had. And ca- Cavs are so lucky Jordan Clarkson had a career night or else this, they would have lost by 25. Like, it's just, just, it's just like that. It'd be like that sometimes, you know. Um, Marquise Chris looked pretty, very promising. Again, had another good game. He had 23 points and seven rebounds while shooting fi- over 50%. He was nine of 16. Uh, I've said this on my Twitter, but I think the Cavs have found or potentially found a building block in Marquise Chris. Uh, he, I think he can play pressure-free here, and that really allows him to grow. The reason he was fighting for his NBA life is because his leash was very short, and he did not have the trust of the coaches his last year in Phoenix or in Houston. Confidence is something that Chris has struggled with due to the – or. Confidence is something Chris has struggled with due to the reason of not having the belief of his coaches. Uh, he, Therefore, he didn't have belief in himself, didn't think he could play and stick with the pros. So that's why he got like two minutes a game and played in like 18 games total in Houston. Larry Drew putting his trust and faith in Chris is going to allow him to grow and blossom into like a, a solid player for this team going forward, even if Larry Drew is here or not. Um, it's crucial, though, that Larry Drew does uh, show confidence in Chris the rest of the season because once it fades, so does Chris's performance. And I think that if that does end up happening, Marquis Chris, his life in the NBA may be over because I don't see another team really giving him a shot after this one. If you can't play well in a literally a no-pressure situation, I don't know what team would think, oh, maybe, you know, he'll play better than ours. Um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I like Marquise Chris. He's shown flashes so far. So, you know, I think, I think he could be pretty solid. Um, could be a one heck of a throw in cause that's all he was in the Alec Burks trade. If this does end up working out how I think or how I hope it does, uh, I expect the Cavs to extend him to, you know, probably a three year deal, maybe four or like a, a two and one with a team option for that third year at the end of the season, if he keeps playing like this, if things, you know, he falls off a cliff, then I don't imagine the Cavs wanting to to re-sign him going forward. We saw another good performance from Colin Sexton, which is awesome to see. He had 24 points and five assists on 10 of 22 shooting. I think we're, we're seeing a jump from Sexton in the middle of the season. And I talked about this in my first episode that I didn't know if we would see 
a noticeable jump during the season. I was waiting for the offseason to see if we would see, you know, a substantial change in his game, but I think we're seeing it now. Um, he, I think he scored over 20 points in five of the last six games, and in that sixth game, he had 18, so he was really close to 20. Um, don't quote me on those numbers. I'm just going off the top. I think that's accurate. Uh, he's finally starting to figure it out. It's a super small sample size, but it's encouraging nonetheless. I'm almost excited, more excited about his five, his five assists during the game. We rarely see that from him. It's generally in the two to three range, which is horrible for a point guard, but five is what I hope he can average during a season. You know, maybe we'll see it going forward, but I'm not counting on it because I haven't seen it on a consistent basis. So, you know, it is what it is. And I know it was a, th- a three overtime game, so stats are going to be inflated. But, you know, I want to be optimistic for once. Let me let me have this. Let me be optimistic about this team's future, which I haven't been in the past. And f- finally, our last topic of the uh, of the episode it's not going to be a long one. It's just, what do I expect the rest of the season? I'm worried, guys. I am worried. You want to know why I'm worried? That the Cavs are going to screw this up. I'm worried they're going to play too well. And I know you might be thinking, wait, why? Don't you want them to play well? No. We want to lose as many games as we can to get that number one pick. Kevin Love returning makes this team look a lot different, and that scares me. Uh, I think they're gonna, they could potentially mess around and win a few more games than they want to, leaving them with a pick outside of the top three, and that would be an absolute disaster. I'm okay if they get the third pick if uh, Phoenix has that second one because then New York would get one. They go Zion two. I think Phoenix would end up going John Morant, and then R.J. Barrett would fall into our lap. Uh, yeah, that's all I can really hope for. Kevin Love, like I said during the Knicks coverage, that he just opens up the floor so much. He gives everyone easier looks. That's what that's what all star level level players do. They give their teammates easier opportunities, and I think that's what we'll see these last twenty five games or so. Um, or as many games as Kevin Love does play in. I think that's what we'll see. Uh, better shooting percentages, more shots end up falling because of their more open looks, and his ability to create from the post and score from the post, something the Cavs don't have. Uh, outside of Kevin Love, it really makes their offense formidable. And in the end, I just want the Cavs to be competitive. <laughs> that's all I can ask for. I But... I want them to be competitive and lose just for the rest of the season. Next season, I want them to win. I want the draft picks to hit, everyone to develop a little bit more, stay healthy, and see what they can do, you know? Um, It sucks wanting your team to lose or, like, you have to hope they lose because it's really the only way to get back into being relevant because if you're a Charlotte or a Miami or whatever, you're – not bad enough to get one of those slam dunk picks at the top. But, you know, you're stuck in basketball purgatory. That's, you know, fighting for the eighth seed, going about 500 or just below 500. And just getting like the 14th pick in the draft is just not what I want. I never want that. That's literally the worst place to be. I'd rather be irrelevant in, in a laughing stock than win 39 games every single year and never improve. Then you're stuck with a bunch of dead money, overpaying decent players, and you're just in a horrible situation. So that will wrap it up 
Thank you guys for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And I do have uh, a little bit of merch on the Pulse Podcast Network website. Uh, It's just a a simple sweatshirt with, I think it's five different color options. If you want to check that out or buy one, uh, let me know. I have a special code to give you guys where you get an extra 25% off. So if you do want that, uh, just let me know. Hit me up on Twitter is probably the best place to reach me at James underscore Lockery7. Or you can follow the podcast at underscore everything Cavs. I'm really active on there. I always check it. That'd be the easiest way to reach me. But that is it for me, guys. I'll catch you later. Peace.